We're always telling your stories, and it's time someone tells ours. We're humans first, journalists second. We chose this career to give you a voice. Now we're voicing ours. It's true, journalism has much room for improvement, but not all hope is lost, and we want your trust back by humanizing one journalist at a time. We're sharing with you what we go through to bring you the news. The pain, the tears, the trauma, and the mental health struggles. It's painful, and sometimes we even work two jobs to make ends meet. But we all have something in common. The passion, the joy, and the love we feel for storytelling and holding the powerful accountable. That includes holding ourselves accountable. So here are stories from us. This is how we want to help improve the news industry. The Awakened Journalist is proud to present Media Healers by Emiliana Molina Fajardo. Hi everyone, welcome back to Media Healers and our third season on this episode. We're going to be speaking to Bricio Segovia. He's a White House correspondent for MBS Noticias in Mexico, and he collaborates with multiple news outlets. He's an award-winning international news anchor and reporter who has worked in the news industry for two decades, 20 years, and he has reported the news from more than 30 different countries. He was a White House correspondent for the Spanish Service of International Broadcaster Voice of America, where he was wrongfully terminated under Trump's administration, according to a lawsuit. Bricio is also a member right now of the White House Correspondents Association and the extended pool of the association. He has interviewed some of the most relevant political figures, including heads of state. He also interviewed the president of Colombia, Iván Duque, in 2019, which his interview actually went viral after Bricio exposed the president for avoiding to answer his questions. And Bricio was also the first journalist to get an exclusive interview with Bolivia's president, Evo Morales, in 2013, after his plane was denied access to airspace in several European countries. He also led the investigation of Bolivia, Presos de la Corrupción, or Bolivia's Prisoners of Corruption, which resulted in the dismissal of the corrupted head of the Bolivian jail system in 2013. So an extensive uh, career and very rewarding journalism, Bricio. So congratulations, and it's an honor to have you here with me today. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Emiliana. And when you say that I've been in the industry for 20 years, it kind of looks like I'm super old. I want to believe that I'm a young soul. <laughs> you are a young soul. You are a young soul. <laughs> Bricio, okay, so let's start um, with the basics. Why and how did you decide to become a journalist? I'm one of those people that had it very clear, very clear since I was very little. Um, but you know, the first thought or memory that I have is me being seven, asking my parents for a microphone for Christmas. And indeed, they gave me a microphone, a red microphone that I was a nightmare to them because I was reporting absolutely everything that I saw everywhere, every single minute of the day. Um, so I, as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to be a journalist. Maybe I didn't know exactly what to call it at first, but I, I've always been fascinated by communications and uh, trying to explain people 
what's going on around me in a, in a way that everyone can understand. And those are the basics of journalism after all. So, um, you know, um, at 16, I started working in radio um, and, and the rest is history. So uh, that, yeah, I've been in the, industry, in the industry for a long time. I've done radio, TV, print, online. Yeah, I, I've, I could say that I've seen pretty much every aspect of what the industry has to offer. And probably that's why we're here today, Emiliana. <laughs> exactly why we're here today. Um, okay, so let's, uh, before we get into the more, more challenging aspects of journalism, what is, you know, throughout your whole career, one thing that has really truly shaped you and has made you proud to be a journalist, one experience you've had on the field? Listen, one of the things that you actually mentioned in my introduction, which is um, that piece of reporting in Bolivia, where the result of my reporting was the dismissal of the, the corrupted head of the prison system, the national prison system. Um, and that kind of gives purpose to what we do, which is keeping the people in power, in power accountable. So to me, that had min it was very meaningful um, because my work had an effect on many, many people. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's something that I'm proud of, not only myself, also the team that we were working together in that, in, in that um, documentary. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one piece that really stands out in my, in my books. Yeah, no, I, I believe you and, and I agree. Um, that must have been extremely rewarding. And I can imagine how you felt after seeing that aftermath of your reporting actually take significant action. So that's that's beautiful. That I think that's why we all decide to be journalists or one of the main reasons why we all decided to become journalists. Um, Brice, so now hopping into more challenging stuff. Um, and I, I have to mention, I know Bricio because we worked uh, together in Washington, D.C. Um, we didn't work in the same organization, but we were colleagues, you know, and we would see each other at the White House all the time. So that's how all we met, and that's why we're here today. Um, and during my time in Washington, D.C., actually, you went through a very difficult situation with Voice of America. You were one of 30 foreign journalists working with the U.S. Agency for Global Media who was fired by the Trump administration and you, along with six other colleagues, decided to sue the agency for breach of contract and wrongful termination. Uh, one, I want to ask how that's going and two, how was your experience during that time and, and how did it feel to go through that? Yeah, a lot of... Um... The evolution of this case is still ongoing, so I cannot talk in depth about how this is going. But um, um, as you mentioned, um, we were wrongfully terminated. Uh, we were the victims of a um, political campaign um, of the Trump administration wanting to, you know, kind of say that foreign journalists could potentially be spies and we were taking the jobs of Americans because of the like, Voice of America, VOA, is actually the international broadcast, the public international broadcaster of the US. So technically you're working for the government is your employer, right? 
even though it's supposed to be an unbiased uh, organization. Um, that definitely didn't happen during the Trump years. Uh, towards the end, it, it got really bad. I was um, actually, I got the first reaction on this case from the White House. That interview well, got censored by the, um, by the agency. So, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was terrible. It's something that uh, kind of caused a lot of turmoil in the life of many, many journalists uh, that were working at VOA at the time. My life, you know, cause of uh, a lot of anxiety, depression. Anyways, um, you know, basically, because basically a little tiny detail that we didn't mention is they were, they were trying to deport us um, uh, by not extending our visas. So, so, cause we are not, uh, U.S. citizens. So um, basically, our future careers, everything depended on 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 the government. And I believe a three of you guys, if I'm not mistaken, uh, were actually deported back to their home countries. Yeah, 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 exactly. Three colleagues got, got deported, um, and uh, yeah, some of them are are fighting now on you know in the court. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, I remember actually when you interviewed, um, I can't remember, was it Mauricio or what What was his name? Yeah, it was Mar Mauricio Clever Carone, who is now the president of the uh, IDV. Yeah. Yeah. And when you interviewed him uh, and your interview made, made it on air and it was then censored, I'm wondering how that made you feel as a journalist, having your work be censored by the trump administration what was that yeah. like for you uh wow it had never happened to me and uh, i understand as a journalist i know how the industry works i know you know there are editorial lines there are certain things depending on who you work with you know um you know how the news are going to be delivered or portrayed i mean regardless of your reporting there are always major forces that are going to portray the the in a certain piece of news in a certain way um so but that had never happened to me and i worked for um that was the third um international public international broadcaster i worked for i worked for france 24 uh which is the french broadcaster public broadcaster i i worked for back in the day back in the day i worked for rt which is a russian public broadcaster <laughs> i didn't get censored by any of those and yeah. i end up being censored by uh the u.s international broadcaster which it's quite ironic um their mojo their motto is a free press matters yeah which didn't really matter to them at the time <laughs> clearly 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 it didn't matter to them yeah. in, in 2019 um but yeah. but i do still believe free press truly matters um yeah. so i i'm proud of you for your courage uh during that time to face this very difficult situation and to expose the reality of it because uh, having the courage to speak out basically against the U.S. government during a Trump administration. I mean, we all told you back then that takes some serious, serious, and I don't want to say balls, but it really does. But you just said it. <laughs> but I just said yeah, it no, because it really does. <laughs> no, but listen, back, I guess 
one of the things that I, I, it really got me thinking when that happened was, it was happening, as you mentioned, not just to me, it was happening to other 30 journalists. Uh, we all were being, like, getting the impact right away of, of the Trump administration's actions. Yeah. But there were like other dozens of journalists that eventually this could unfold or more journalists, more than 30, like up to a hundred, you know, being like their visas revoked and therefore no way to remain in the country. I mean, they could find their very own ways, but it, it, we were short in time. So that made it really different, difficult, especially in the context of a pandemic when uh, embassies, consulates, you know, had a huge backlog. So they couldn't really expedite certain visas. It was, the options were really limited. And what I thought was, listen, we're journalists. We spend the whole day keeping people accountable. Am I not gonna do the same thing when this is happening under my own roof? No, because it's happening under my own roof, I need to speak out. And also I was in a better position than other journalists. I had a long career. I had options to seek a different type of visa on my own. I had the option of, of uh, I got really lucky because my new visa got approved really, really fast, but I just got lucky. Otherwise I would be speaking to you probably from other, from Spain, from my home country. But I, I'm from Spain, you know, worst comes to worst, I could have gone back to, to my home country where I can enjoy my freedoms. Some people were at risk of losing it all, going back to their home countries. There are countries where definitely freedom is not what defines them. So, or human rights for the matter. So I was really speaking out, not, not just for me, but specifically for those colleagues who couldn't really speak out at the moment because it would have made the situation even worse for them if they had to go back to their country in the end. So, yeah, um, and I get I, I that's what journalism is about. But but um, and I, that also that situation exposed a lot of good journalists working at VOA who kind of like bucked at us and, and, and defended us and spoke out as well. And some really bad journalists who simply are bureaucrats, you know, sitting on a desk. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, Bricio, aside from, from that situation, what do you think has been one of the most challenging uh, situations you faced throughout your career? And you know, how did you go about it or what tools have you used to kind of cope with it? Because for example, uh, with that, with this situation at VOA, you mentioned that you went through a lot of personal struggles, including depression, um, your mental health took a toll and part of Media Healers is kind of exposing the very challenging situations we face through covering multiple, multiple events. Yeah, and, and, and I, please, allow me to just mention here, say here, that I applaud you for this project because it's so necessary. And I think that journalists, you know, we, 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 we always reminded that we don't need to be the centerpiece of story. We are just the observer and, uh, you know, the, the person who explains what's happening in our surroundings. But, you know, it's uh, the, the, media, the media scene has gotten so 
so it, it's it's it, it's horrible at the moment it, it really is you know the and i think it part of it feels like journalism has lost its way with with the corporations yeah exactly i mean well i mean let's 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 put one thing straight like uh whenever whenever journalism became a corporation journalism was killed a little bit <laughs> um but it gotten worse not only because of the the way corporations are putting costs and interests on top of good journalism but also because of the environment that we see in society part of it also was encouraged by the previous administration, I gotta say, um, you know, just by saying that um, everyone who criticized the previous administration was a fake news, right? And that's simply a, a very populist way of, of trying to silence um, criticism. So, um, but also, in the way that corporations started to play the same game um, and the clickbait kind of, you know, way of doing journalism or just by thinking that um, everything needs to be breaking news and that's on CNN uh, who has started, you know, which just started this trend of always having this CNN ticker on screen uh, the breaking news sticker on the screen so that people who just turn in, you know, they, they, they would be like, oh, I need to stay because something important is happening. So I, I keep watching. Uh, and that's just a, a strategy to, to catch the viewer. And because of that, we don't even know what breaking news is anymore. Because whenever there's a real breaking news, how does that stand out when the whole day is breaking news according to this uh, organizations so you know the the the, the yeah the, the 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 journalism and the media industry has gotten worse throughout the years i think we are at a very low point uh right now uh, we've been it's been going downhill i would say since the financial crisis that's when many corporations took advantage of the situation by by decreasing salaries, uh, you know, like even benefits and, and so on. And, uh, and we thought, I remember having conversations back then with colleagues and like, oh, you know, it's, 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 it's something seasonal, it's gonna change. This is gonna change when we recover, it's gonna get better. It's gonna, it, it never got better. Um, quite the opposite, it got worse. And yeah. then with the whole multimedia journalist, um, which is probably the worst invention ever, for mental journalists mental mental health at least yeah no for sure 100 percent um yeah after the crisis salaries never got better they kept getting worse um you know journalists who've graduated from the best schools of journalism in the united states don't even make enough money to pay rent and they have to uber which has been the case mm -hmm. of a few colleagues that i've interviewed and uh multimedia journalists obviously um you know, doing the job of five different people in one day is simply a, a perfect mix for many mistakes being made and very uh, much reporting the issues from the tip of the iceberg and not being able to actually get to the root 
uh, problems or the root cause. Listen, let's let's call things by its name. It's uh, by their name. It's 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 exploitation. I mean, uh, the fact that one person is with the job of five people, like that's what I call exploitation. I mean, you are a journalist who's supposed to be reporting at the same time. You are the camera operator. At the same time, you are the sound guy. At the same time, you are the producer. That's already four jobs in one. And at the same time, they want you to have your audience engaged on social media. That's five different jobs, but back in the day were full-time jobs. So, I mean, they try to trick us saying that, oh no, ties have changed. You know, like everything is multi-platform now. Yeah, but I'm working five times what I used to work when I had a crew. And that to me is exploitation because they want you to do everything. So you have to sacrifice on something. It's very clear and very evident that quality footage is the first sacrifice that in the case of TV, they make. Second um, is sound because, you know, you, we even, I don't know, like uh, we don't really care about good sound or good footage anymore. We just care about having someone on the spot, right? Which I get, okay. But then this is where things get really, really bad. The base and the foundation of good journalism is information, good information, good sources, good reporting, right? But if you have to be paying attention, is am I on focus? Um, uh, you need to go back and forth to see if you are actually, you know, in, in the frame. You need to like ask peace, ask favors to people walking around who are not even friends of yours or anything at all, so they can help you because you cannot do everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I've done that. I've seen people doing that. My colleagues doing that. And on top of that, you want me to keep track of all the information as that as if that was my only job this is ridiculous and someone needs to stop it but no one is going to stop it and why is not no one's going to stop it because we have especially you know uh, most of my career i've done it in the spanish language um, field media industry especially those countries they, they, they um what really matters is um okay how how much cheaper can we do this? And this happens here too, right? But we see how this trend of multimedia journalists is really evolving really fast in those countries. Um, we see here in the US and local news specifically, uh, but we even see it in international media outlets now, which okay. is like, it's concerning because it's like, okay, those are the outlets that are supposed to be on top of everything. And now you are getting to that point what kind of information are we going to be delivering to the people, you know? And it, it's just, it's really, really sad. And what's even sadder is that they try to sell this multimedia journalist thing as like something amazing and beautiful that we need to embrace. But I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes being multi, a multimedia journalist is really useful and very essential. Yeah. Because, you know, in certain situations, but that shouldn't be the norm. And that's what it is right now. Yeah, it shouldn't be the norm, 100%. Um, but if you, I'm wondering, you know, if you have struggled throughout your career with emotional, physical, or mental health, 
and how you've been able to navigate it or cope through it and what has led you to experience um, these hardships? Absolutely. Well, the problem is that you don't even, you're not even aware that you're experiencing all that mm -hmm. and that your mental health is being exposed <laughs> in ways that, you know, you're just not aware of it. That's the problem. The problem with, for anyone out there watching this right now, if you're not a journalist, you need to understand that the way our mind works is slightly different to what other people's minds work. We work on under constant stress. We work on a constant deadline. Our life is every single day is a deadline or certain deadlines. So we are used to that. We are used to monitoring information 24 seven. We cannot say my shift is eight hours long. No, you're always working because for no one gets into journalism to become rich. People get into journalism because it's their passion. So it's your way of living, your, your way of life. And, and we, th that is the first mistake, thinking that that is your way of life and your job should never be your way of life. Yes, it is better when you love what you do, but when your life is being dictated by your job, then we do have a problem. And my mental health has been exposed when I was a work correspondent and I was sent to conflicts without the proper training. I wasn't aware of that. I was too excited to think that I was gonna be covering something major with many human stories. And that's what I wanted to do, give a voice to the voiceless. Yeah. That's one way in which journalists' mental health is exposed nowadays. Um, and back in the day, my case. Um, now I realize um, your mental health, my mental health has been exposed by being a friend, a correspondent. Mm. And, uh, and before, everyone, every, yes, yeah. I mean, before you keep going, I just want to re reiterate a, a huge important point you just made because journalists are aware of this, but the audience, if they're not a journalist, it, it might mm. come as a shock to them that a war correspondent was sent to cover war without proper training, but it happens more often than, uh, than people know. Or oh, yeah. Oh, they're oh, even, oh. yeah, they're even given equipment to protect themselves like a, a, a vest, you know, a, a body vest yeah. that doesn't even fit them to cover yeah. certain traumatic events. But and, yeah, and they can give you like, yeah, they can give you a flight jacket if you're lucky. I mean, I was lucky yeah. back then because an organization was covering I mean, I was on the payroll of an organization, so I had like a life insurance and things like that. And they will cover all my expenses. But, you know, like there are colleagues who are sent, even now with the whole Ukrainian things, I know of, 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 of colleagues being sent to the Ukrainian border and these areas where the conflict is boiling uh, as freelancers. This is, this is so, this is such a shame because if something happens to the, to these people 
obviously they don't get the training if, and if they do or they do not is there is on them because they're not part of the organization but they don't get any benefits they don't get if they die their families don't get anything at all you know it's 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 how cruel the industry has become it's always been a very competitive industry and a very cold and cruel industry in a way but it got to levels that i couldn't even imagine you know like like um, because it's such a passionate uh, job, um, people just would do it because as I said, it's, it's you breathe journalism. But the problem is that most of us are not aware when we're doing these things and these things are happening, we're not aware of, you, you know, like how your mental oh, yeah. health is taken at all on all these situations. Um, also, you know, that's an extreme, right? Like a like a like a like a conflict. But even it's as it, it's as simple as me being a for me and many others being a foreign correspondent and being hired as a freelancer, but <laughs> being demanded uh, um, responsibilities of a staff journalist. You know, we need to be available twenty four seven whenever they want, because if if you if you are not available once, they will move on and find someone else. They, you know, it's it's just so it's 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 unfair because that only makes you be on call twenty four seven for clients that are not even permanent clients and they don't give a about you. So that's when when you realize about all this, when you get a second. And it's really, I mean, I don't know if I should say this, but I really realized of everything um, when there was, uh, I'm based in Washington, DC, right? And I'm a political correspondent now. So, so I really realized when the Trump administration was over and then Biden took office and the whole pace of the news slowed down. Yeah. And then I had a second to think. Yeah. And, and I was like, what am I doing with my life? I mean, why am I allowing, why am I allowing this to happen in my life? Why am I mistreating myself? Why am I giving all these corporations the power to control my life? And this is when the crisis starts. And this is what, when the crisis starts because all you've done your whole, your whole life and all you wanted to do was this job and and then that has guided your life for two decades so what do you do now you know and 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 i know i'm not alone i know this is a crisis that many colleagues are going through right now at least here in washington dc because all we needed was a minute or two to to think and breathe and process and then is when you realize, because during the Trump administration, things got really brutal in terms of the pace of the information. We didn't have a second. Everything was on Twitter. You know, like everything, every single day was exhausting. So, you know, like after that, you realize I just needed a second to think. Yeah. Yeah, the Trump administration was very fast paced, very overwhelming. News was changing yeah. every second of the day. Um, the narrative was changing every second of the day. So journalists truly had to be on point, um, going live almost every hour or even every 
10 minutes, um, you know, because mm -hmm. Trump would tweet out something and the story would change and that changed your whole piece or your or the whole news yeah. article that you were about to print. Now, all of us, all of us had the, the president's tweets uh, as our good morning alarms, <laughs> you know, like literally, <laughs> literally, like this is not a joke. So listen, and I'm not, I'm not complaining about the Trump administration or anything, you know, like this is the business we're in. So this, this just happened. It happened to happen with Trump. But the thing is that in journalism, there are so many red flags that we see every day throughout our careers and they're getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And because of the way we're built, our minds are built and we're misguided in the way we think of journalism as a way of living and not just as a job. I think that's why we are more vulnerable eventually. I'm not saying that other people are not, but we're saying I'm speaking as a journalist um, by, you know, from my own experience. So then you realize, oh, now I realize about everything. Now I had a second to breathe. Now I realize that everything I've been building on had no foundation. Because if you don't respect yourself, no one else is going to do it. And by allowing the industry to disrespect you continuously, you know, basically your life has no foundation, or maybe I should say your mental health has no foundation. So it gets to a point when you think, okay, now I need to start from scratch and start investing in my mental health, start investing in what kind of life I deserve, what kind of life I really want, and not instead of what kind of life I've been programmed to think I need to do and I need to follow. Completely agree. I think I couldn't have said it better. And I think that um, what you were saying about journalists being so passionate about their job and loving this job and believing in this job so much and in communi communicating truth to the world and transparency, uh, we are vulnerable and, and the industry has found that vulnerability and has taken advantage of it to make us believe that the norm should be that every journalist needs to work 24 seven for low wages and doing five jobs in, in one day at the same time. No, schedule, no schedule at all. I mean, you, you know it as well uh, as a recovering journalist, uh, we, you know, you, we cannot make plans. We cannot. At all, we cannot. Ever. I mean, I never we had sign, we, plans no. in DC. I, I did not. No, we we cannot sign up to classes of any sort because we never know what our schedule is going to look like. And listen, that's also part of the beauty of the industry, not knowing what you're going to do. Everything is an adventure. There's adrenaline all over the place, right? But it gets to a point again. I think there are two two things here, Emiliana. I think one thing is that it gets to a point when you are old enough to realize or experience enough to realize about the truth of the industry. And there's uh, also a point of maturity in which your priorities change, Yeah. right? So those are two things that play a big role in when you decide to break the rules and be like, okay, I had it, this is it. So yeah, uh, it's, just, it's, it's just heartbreaking <laughs> because I do love, 
I do love this. I, I love journalism and I, I truly believe in the need of good journalists. Um, but I just, I just don't know what the future holds to everyone in this industry these days. It's either you decide to be disrespected continuously or constantly, or I don't know, you know? I mean, and, and of course, there are certain companies that are doing their job in, in a good way. Like, uh, I don't know, I, I nowadays work for MVS Radio in Mexico. They're wonderful. If, if only all companies were like them. Yeah. Um, but that, that's the exception, you know? And, and all, obviously, um, money is always the issue in the media industry. Um, and I'm not talking about salaries. It's like having money to invest in good journalism, good projects. And, uh, you know, good journalism requires money. Uh, an investment and we don't see that very often and uh, unless your corporation is uh, owned by Jeff Bezos and they can just like throw a bunch of money every single day on whatever you want to do and even then your reporting is going to be probably affected by the economical and financial interests of the owner of that corporation so <laughs> it's it's yeah, yeah you know there's no perfect situation I guess yeah um, Bricio, is there anything else that you'd like to share that maybe I haven't asked you before I ask you one final question? <sighs> Listen, um, this, I, I, this, uh, some, some of the people watching right now might be, um, future journalists, you know, people who are like studying now journalism, who really hope to be like career in this field. And uh, my message to those people would be, we are in the era when, where you can build your own brand on social media. There are journalists that have literally more followers than media outlets do. And they can be very powerful. Don't be afraid of creating your very own platform. Um, if the situation gets worse, don't accept shitty um, salaries and shitty conditions, you know, just don't, just respect yourself. And I know you wanna get into industry and that's what you really wanna do, but think out of the box. Yeah. Think out of the box, because you, I mean, you'll thank yourself in the future. 100%, 100%. And lastly, what is um, one thing that you would uh, change in the news industry? I mean, we've talked about a lot, but something that maybe is, needs a lot of attention ASAP uh, to help improve the news industry. Listen, I think one first step for, at least for big corporations, is to start having um, mental health departments. Mm -hmm. Um, we see how mm, burnout is something that uh, it's pressing in every single newsroom these days at levels we haven't seen in the past. And that's a cause for concern, not only for the, for, for, for the employees, also for the employers. And they should take it seriously because it gets to the point when even you know, as much as you love this craft, as much as you love journalism, there's a point when your mental health 
decides to abandon you, that you cannot perform. You just can't. And good journalism cannot afford this, cannot afford burnout, cannot afford this crisis where going out, it's happening now in the industry. And uh, if I were, you know, the big sharks in the industry, I would definitely invest in the, in, in, in the mental health advisors or, you know, creating mental health departments for their employees. Not only because, I mean, they can pretend they care because we know they don't in general, yeah. but they can pretend they care even if they want their journalists to be efficient because otherwise, you know, it will get to a point when people just decide to quit and that's it. And maybe they don't want to quit, but that's the only option their mind is giving them when they get to the point of, of, of burnout. And I think that's, that's, that's a real crisis, crisis these days um, among journalists, burnout. Oh, yeah, 100%. And many have quit in the past two years. Um, so Yeah, so many good journalists lost because corporations are being inconsiderate with... Uh, with their, you know, with, with their employees and journalism and society in general, because, you know, this is, this is a journalism, it's a social duty. <laughs> and the second you don't understand that, you shouldn't be in this industry. And many, many, many um, managers in media corporations do not understand this and they don't deserve their position. They really don't. Yeah. And um, yeah, so invest in mental health for your employees, even if you don't care, even if what you want is your corporation to succeed, be smart and do it. Because mark my words, Emiliana, this is, this is only going to get worse. Uh, social media, it's a part of our job these days. And our job is literally five jobs, as we, we've seen in this, you know, in, in, here with you. So it's, uh, it's, it's only going to get worse if the big corporations don't start doing something about this. You know, the other option is like, hey, get out of the system, do your thing. You know, outsmart these corporations. I believe in you. <laughs> I believe in myself. I believe in you, Emiliana. I mean, you're a good proof of this. I mean, this is this is something that was necessary. You saw you saw it, and here you are doing it. So you know, we if. We are resourceful, resourceful people. That's what journalists are. So at least we got that. <laughs> at least we got that, right? Yeah, and, and, and you're right. I mean, I, I did quit. Obviously, it hasn't been easy if anyone is considering it. Um, but it, but it's a brief decision. And, you know, I'm doing this podcast from my room in my parents' apartment uh, house. So I'm being resourceful. Obviously, um, you know, I I think the, the main drive i guess for for entrepreneurships like this one or or projects like this one and and leaving the news industry is the fact that i i saw the need and and not only did i see it i lived it so i i know what it feels the burnout the depression the sadness the mm -hmm. lack of transparency and and i'm doing this again because i am so passionate about journalism so i just thought if i'm giving my life to these corporations uh, for not nearly enough pay, working 24-7, why, why don't I just do it for myself? And I'm not getting paid right now, but I'm so much happier because I know I know this is meaningful and I know that 
just sitting here speaking to you and listening to your own experiences has validated so many of my own experiences and it's so healing and and you know i if this interview touches just one life and helps improve just one life in journalism then to me it's just worth it yeah and there's if, if there's one piece of advice that needs to stick in your mind is don't let it get to the point of burnout because that's that's a point of no return it's really hard to go back after your burnout um and 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 the only way to be aware of that this is the sad truth is that it's really hard to be aware of that unless you've developed some emotional intelligence and the only way to develop emotional intelligence is by okay shocker going to a therapist so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, ding, ding, ding. yeah. So it's, yeah. it's the way to put things into perspective and and I started going to my to, to the therapist because I wasn't happy, you know, and I didn't know why I wasn't happy. I had a job that I love. I, I, you know, I, I had a partner. I had, you know, a, a roof, <laughs> you know, under which I could live. I mean, I had money to buy food and the essentials and I still wasn't happy. And I was like, what's, what's wrong? Something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. And then it's when I started to discover that I hadn't been respecting, I had been disrespecting myself by letting other people disrespect me as a professional, you know, because of all the things that we explained here today. So don't get to that point. And if you, anything, anything of what I said or Emiliano said, it kind of raised a red flag to you, you know, it, 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 maybe it's time to focus on yourself and taking care of your mental health because it's no joke. Exactly. Yeah. Be mindful of those red flags and then take care of yourself. I love that. Mauricio, it has been an honor having you here. Um, it has been such a pleasant, transparent and truthful conversation. And I have zero doubt that this will generate an impact in many journalists lives because the way you spoke about the industry, about your struggles, and how you've managed to cope through it and reevaluate what you deserve in your life and how you deserve to be treated as a journalist and respected uh, and honored for the job that you do. I mean, you're living proof that journalism is meaningful when we have the resources to do it the right way. You literally had an impact in a country um, with one of the stories that you told and you've made an impact in many different communities with the stories that you've told throughout your career. So I thank you for being an example of what great journalism looks like. I mean, I worked with you in DC and, um, and you were just amazing and, and wonderful at what you do. So I, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for agreeing to, to speak out and, and to be here with me today. Always a pleasure. And you know, one of the beautiful, the beautiful things about the industry is the uh, human connections that prevail, no matter how tough times might get. And this is a good example. So it's, it's, a, it's always a pleasure talking to you, Emiliana, and, and seeing you. You too, Lisa. Thank you. Journalists, this one's for you, to help you heal, to help you understand your worth, and to help you know you're not alone. So share the love and subscribe to Spotify and YouTube and follow us on Instagram. 
The Awakened Journalist is proud to present Media Healers by Emiliana Molina Fajardo.